For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional Cyber Savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top-brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 1-800-BUY-DELL. That's 1-800-BUY-DELL. Hello, it is Friday, December 20th, 2019, and I can't thank you enough for listening to this show. We got a good one for you. Incredible conversations with Hugh Jackson, incredible conversation about all things happening in the world, and I think you're going to enjoy the hell out of it. Send us a tweet, at Pat McAfee Show, at Ty Schmidt, at Evan Foxy, at Viva Lizito, at Nick Moraldo, at Tone Diggs, at Todd McComas, you name it, because we can't thank you enough, and we like to hear from you telling us what you've enjoyed, what you haven't enjoyed, what you would like to see more of in all of that type of nonsense. The holiday season's right around the corner and the perfect gift would be a ticket to a live event. And when you buy that ticket to a live event, you need to buy it from our presenting sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and... Sitting next to Evan Foxy, he doesn't say a fucking word. That's <laughs> unbelievable, Evan. Okay, Evan, Evan, that is unbelievable. In unison. And the moon. Wow. Welcome to the show, Foxy. Uh, Foxy and I just got done with something with the WWE up here in Stanford, Connecticut. First trip up here. The place is beautiful. Uh, very excited for what's about to debut here. Things that we're about to roll out, some content. And uh, we're hightailing it right now for a plane to get to Boca Raton, Florida for the Boca Bowl in today's live show. Now, back to the SeatGeek ad. It's the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and the moon because they scan all the other ticket buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck. The best ticket available for the best price available is available for you, the best human on Earth, because you're shopping at SeatGeek. And right now, use promo code PAT, you get $10 off your first order. Wow. Wow. Promo code Mac, if you get $20 off your first order. Wow. Give a ticket to a game. Give a ticket to a concert. Maybe a comedy show. Maybe a theater, a play, something along those lines. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with our friends at SeatGeek today. Now, let's get to the show. Saturday, there's an entire slate of games in the NFL that I will not be able to watch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be on ABC on Saturday for the Boca Bowl, and I'm not in the booth. Uh, I am a field analyst. So there's like an 80% chance of rain in Boca Raton on Saturday. So I'm just going to be sitting in the rain watching the incredible SMU Mustangs take on the FAU. Ow. Ow. I could be wrong. I think they're a Panther or an Owl. FIU, FAU. I was going to mix it up. Come on. (laughs) I think it's a Panther. I'm going Panther, finally. Lane Kiffin's old school, FAU, is taking on SMU on Saturday on ABC at 3.30. I'll be a field analyst just sitting there in the rain, absolutely (sighs) enjoying the hell out of college football while incredible NFL games are taking place on Saturday. Let's go through that list of games, Diggs. We are starting. The 1 o'clock game is Houston at Tampa Bay. I believe the line is 3. Houston is minus 3. I am correct. Okay, that a boy proud of you. The um, Houston Texans are going to win this game. Only because I feel like this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have an incredible coaching staff right now. That coaching staff just so happened to be with me at the Indianapolis Colts for a long time. Yes, Bruce Arians is going to get the acknowledgement. Clyde Christensen is a miracle worker with quarterbacks that's there with Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston, 
um, by all accounts, has had his best year this year, I think, than anybody could have fathomed. And Diggs will get into an entire mm-hmm. segment here about how he feels the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should treat him. But Clyde Christensen worked with Peyton Manning for a long time, Andrew Luck for a long time. He got run out of the building uh, by a former GM, and now he's down there in Tampa. He was in Miami. I guess he didn't do great with Tannehill under Gase, but he really feels like this is almost their swan song, this group of coaches down here in Tampa. And they've been turning it around. But in Bruce Arians' offense, you have to have weapons. You have to have deep play receivers that can make plays. In this weekend, I believe Mike Evans and Godwin are both out. Both out. Both probably receivers I believe are both which is very difficult in an offense that relies heavily on your wide receivers making big plays for you so for that reason and that reason alone even though the Tampa Bay defense has been playing much better than I think anybody could have expected I think Houston gets a win in which they need to win by the way they lose the Tennessee Titans are right back in this thing for a week 17 matchup that's massive for the AFC South I think we'd want that but for me I feel like Houston wins this game strictly because of those injuries now going forward the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to make a decision with Jameis Winston he's currently on his contract here what would you do Anthony DeGilio in your mind if you were for some reason I don't know how it would happen but let's say for some reason <laughs> you, were, job. you were placed in charge of an NFL team what would you do if Jameis Winston was your quarterback with what he's shown thus far in the NFL I think they pay Jameis I think they keep him and I think they pay them do I think they pay him 35 to 40 like the top tier quarterbacks are getting right now like like uh Dak's gonna get like Drew Brees is up there getting things are gonna get things like that no but if you find a sweet spot like Jacoby Brissett just got 27 million a year for two years yeah um Nick Foles got like 25 million a year for three years Derek Carr is getting like 25 27 million if you can find a sweet spot around there think about how hilarious that is by the way (laughs) It's like considered a good deal, like uh, for the team. Like, hey, if you could pay him only like twenty three to twenty eight million dollars a year for six months of real work, that's probably a good deal for you. And that is just mine. Now, it's nothing compared to the baseball contracts. Right. These yeah, baseball yeah, yeah. contracts oh, yeah. are next level. But these quarterbacks, this is a now, now. This is kind of what we've been saying, right? Where if you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal, you have a chance to build your team mm-hmm. up around. We'll talk about the Rams here in a second. That's what the Rams. That's when the Rams crashed, when they had to pay Goff, who was no longer on his rookie contract. He had to get paid, which means you can't pay everybody, including offensive linemen, which has been a big problem for them. And I thought that the new blueprint for success would be rookie quarterbacks, build them all up, build up the team around them, then you can really make a play and have play good team football. The Rams did it. The Seahawks did it with the Legion of Boom. And you haven't really seen a lot of teams other than the Tom Brady's and Peyton Manning's and Aaron Rodgers's mm-hmm. and now the Russell Wilson's. And I would assume Lamar Jackson's going to be this way as well. And Patrick Mahomes. There's only a couple quarterbacks up there that can win games by themselves. Like, hey, these guys, you put them on a field, they will win games by themselves. All the other quarterbacks that are good – but not great. I think you have to, as a GM and as a team, be willing to pay them. Like, okay, and as a quarterback, I think they should be a little bit more um, accountable in their mm-hmm. how good they are and say, like, you know what? I don't think I want to screw over my entire team by taking forty five percent of the salary cap. I'll take twenty million a year. Which, by the way, generational wealth. Even after Uncle Sam gets it, mm-hmm. ten million a year there for five years. That's fifty million dollars you're getting for your family and yourself. You can live like me and have a great time like that. And I am very reckless. <laughs> Very reckless with mine. You could live a hilarious life and still be good with that, but it's going to take something with the NFLPA, their agents, and everything to dial that in. Do you think Jameis will be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I will take a much smaller price than what everybody else is getting just so I can continue to have a job? Or do you think his agent and the NFLPA are going to say, you can't do that because if you take a smaller deal, that means the next next quarterback's going to have to take a smaller deal? Yeah, so me forth. saying this, I'll 
is me thinking that Jameis will realize that he has not been a top tier quarterback for his entire has Jameis career. been yeah. a self aware person? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. If, no, if he's known for one thing, it's making great decisions. Oh, right, and right. self awareness. Yeah. But like, I think he looks at himself. Maybe his agent gets to talk to him. Like, hey, you have two two of the top. 10 receivers easily in the league right now. You got this new coaching staff in. Bruce Arians, he's molded Roethlisberger and Luck and Carson Palmer. You guys are on a four-game win streak. So He's the I, only quarterback in the history to go back-to-back with 450 yards. Yeah. I mean, it's... He's it, leading the league in uh, yards and, I believe, completions, and he's second in touchdowns behind Lamar Jackson. First in picks? Yes, first in picks. I mean, that is the one thing. But, like... No risk it, no biscuit, pal. That's yep. Bruce Arians. But that might, help, that might help with the contract negotiations and the cap's going up. So it's like, hey, if you could get him in that 25 to 28 range. Sweet spot. And, it, and also, by the way, you could pay the offensive line, which in the Bruce Arians offense you need because mm-hmm. that's a lot of seven-step drops. It's a lot of home He's going deep with that thing. And if you could build up an offensive line there, maybe he's in a much better and, spot. And they don't, they don't pick till 17th. So it's not like you're, you're probably not getting a stud quarterback in right away. So with, with all this offensive talent around, at least you know you have a guy who can make all the throws. Yeah, he's going to make some dumb decisions, but maybe you could get him Are out Are you of running that Twitter account? You sound like the guy that's running that. <laughs> I am who people thought was the GM's uh, ghost account. That's not what the term is. Burner. 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 Thank you. Same thing. Uh, Jameis Winston, um, how the media ruined the start of a Hall of Fame football career. Yeah, I mean, I do contribute. That account, by the way, tweeted me that last week. I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, well, they're going to tweet you again after hearing this. They got their ears. I don't know. The I just and there's like who else is out there? Like maybe if you get Teddy, like if you could get Teddy, like if he doesn't go with the Saints, if they decide to save Drew, maybe. But like Jameis can make every throw. Bruce Arians' offense—that's what you need. I don't it, think. But if you his stats this year, forget the picks. Like I think to his agent and to him, that's going to dictate. Like, yeah. hey, I, I deserve thirty-five million. I deserve forty million. I threw for five thousand yards this year. It goes back to what you just mentioned. It like if they give him all this money, their defense stinks. Okay, they need to shore up that big time. Their line's not that great. Yeah, they have incredible receivers. And Jameis, he doesn't stink. I mean, he's in that middle tier, but he's mm-hmm. not one of those elite guys. If you give him that max contract, guess what? They're going to go eight and eight or seven and nine for the next. Four to five years, like if Arians, which is what they do, but exactly. Yeah. If Arians is as good of a coach as we all think he is, then why not like franchise Jameis next year? Maybe pick up someone in the draft, and then franchise is a lot of money. It is, it is, but at least you're not commit, you're not pot committed for the next five to six years. You know, I would love to see Jameis have a little self awareness and realize that he's not going to get that forty to fifty million dollars yeah. that everybody else is going to get, and just be like, yeah, I'm okay taking fifteen to twenty million. I'm a build up this team. Let's have a good time here. Bruce Arians took that job. Because of Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. He's known him since high school. So I think Jameis and Bruce probably have a very good relationship, which is good news for all parties down there in Tampa. They've showed they've shown signs of success. If they have to draft another quarterback or get another quarterback, it's a whole new rebuild in Bruce's offense. But if you find a guy that can throw the ball and you don't have to pay him, you can build up the rest of that team. That can be very good. I, I think they're going to be in an interesting spot. We like Houston, though. I like yeah, Houston winning that game. Because they don't want to They don't want have to – that Tennessee game in Week 17, they don't want it to mean something. And if they win this weekend, it doesn't. And competing against the Boca Bowl. Okay? Correct. The Boca oh, Bowl yeah. kicks off at 3.30. This game's on at 4. So I think uh, it's yikes. a bad decision by the NFL <laughs> to compete against the Boca Bowl on ABC at 3.30. Kicking off at 4 is Buffalo at New England. Buffalo is getting – Six and a half uh-huh. points right now in New England. The over-under is at 36 and a half, which was the exact same it was for the Buffalo-Pittsburgh uh-huh. Steelers game. That will obviously went under is 17-10. I think we're going to see a very similar uh-huh. game here. And honestly, I, I, like, I like the Buffalo Bills with the points. I even took that money line because it's plus 230, just good odds on there. Yeah. But I really like Buffalo 
plus six and a half here. And I don't think anything tells me that this is the week that the Patriots offense is going to get going. I, I honestly don't. Maybe, maybe Nikhil Harry and them uh, and Josh McDaniels and, and Julian Edelman and the boys have gone to work and everything like that. And maybe the the Pro Bowl first time missing the Pro Bowl since 2008 for Tom Brady has really put another chip on his shoulder. But nothing tells me that this is the week the offense is going to get going, especially after watching that Buffalo Bills defense in person last week. Yeah, and I am also taking the Bills, but I'm not taking a money line. I'm not as brave as you are. I'm going plus the six and a half. It's the sixteen ten was the first game, right? Yep. And Josh Allen got hurt, and Matt Barkley came in the in the second half. Yeah, he almost messed around and beat us too. I know. Uh, I can see the same thing. 13, 16, 10. I'm not. I don't. The Patriots' offense stinks. The Bills are six zero and one against the spread on the road. I mean, no, hey, lock it down. Todd. Lock hey, it down, Todd. Todd stats back here. That is very good stats to have in your back pocket. And the reason is because they've been an underappreciated team mm-hmm. because their wins are on national TV or against teams that they're like, ah, that team isn't that good. But their defense has been such a lockdown D. De- they're the only ones that could contain Lamar Jackson. Uh-huh. They contained Lamar Jackson. They contained Mark Ingram. And it's because that defense is so damn good. I got a chance to chat with one of their uh, D-line coaches whenever we were in Pittsburgh there and uh, just chatting with him. It was a good catch-up. He used to coach for the Colts. And uh, good dude. Great dude. Tier link. And uh, we dapped each other up. I'm like, hey, this defense is the truth. He said, hey, we got something. <laughs> like, he's like, uh, he was like, great. He's like, we got, we feel good about it. He said, well, they got good players that also feel good about the, the system. We talked to uh, um, Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo Alexander. Uh-huh. And he talked about how the team knows the system, right? And how the team's been around each other for a long time and how they like each other. So they don't only know the play calls, but they know the why. That's a massive deal. That's a massive deal to know that, hey, if I disguise here, I know that I'm being covered here. I can do this. I can mess around and do this. They're very comfortable. Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills. I don't know how the Buffalo Bills had this much patience with Sean McDermott, but it's gonna. it looks like it's paying off. And this weekend would be massive for Bills Mafia to go into New England and get a win. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying the odds are plus 230 right now if you want to put money on the money line. But, man, that would be another celebration at the airport with another Mm -hmm. selfie going in the museum if they get this win. I'm excited to see because this is the first time in probably a long, long time that the Patriots play a meaningful division game in December. Like, if if they lose, they have to beat Miami in Week 17, which – Ryan Fitzpatrick. (laughs) I don't want to face him in Week 17. He'll mess it out. Ryan Fitzpatrick, week 17, got nothing to play for. Wait till you see what he's doing to his body. <laughs> he's going to run his face right into Kyle Van Noy's helmet while throwing a ball. I mean, that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick does, and the Bills have a chance to do that. Flores would love to win that game, too, oh, just oh, to yeah. shove it right back in their face. A lot face. of storylines. Or, no, I'm not going to say it. Well, maybe. I know where you're going, and it's po- it's a possibility. I'm not going to say it. Say it. Huh. I'm not going to say this. Flores and the Dolphins do just it. lay down and say, here you go, Bill. Come Here's on. Don't say that. Come Don't on. say that. Gumpy's not going to be happy with you saying that. Fins up, pal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good game. I won't be able to watch it uh, until afterwards, but know that if, if that game gets boring, if Buffalo just blows New England out so fast, know that the Boca Bowl's going on down mm-hmm. on ABC. And I'm on the sideline. Uh, and I have no idea what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. So look for me to potentially get kicked out early so I could catch the game as well. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm a field analyst. What does that mean? What what, what the I, like, hell does that mean? Like, I was I was rejected from the broadcast boot camp three times. I have no idea what field analyst means. I, I if, if I'm doing what Molly McGrath does, I have no shot. Because what she does is so impressive. Like, she has to butt, like, butt her way into things 
eavesdrop, get information, kind of re- relay it to the producer, which relays it to the it's like booth. A spy. It's like an entire operation. I, I, I want to let you know. I'm not gonna, I don't have that much effort in me. I, 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 if they're not going to let me in somewhere, I'm like, I'll just stay here then. I don't I, give a damn. I think she's technically a sideline reporter, uh-huh. and I don't know what the difference in terms of distinction is between a field uh, like a field analyst and a sideline reporter. You ever reporter. see Tony Saragusa down uh, on the sidelines? That's it. what I'm doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Pat, he what just, are you seeing down there? Uh, this fat guy just fell off. <laughs> <laughs> he just fell in the stands down yeah, here. I think you might do some reporting. Maybe. I have no idea. But you're more of just like a... Like a third guy, but down on the food. Food? Just what you're seeing <laughs> on the field. Easy, yeah. Tony. Easy, pal. <laughs> this is the XFL crew, by the way. It's uh, Tom Hart. Yep. Uh, Joey Galloway. Nice. And myself. This, we're ah. doing the XFL games. Now, with the XFL, though, they told me I have unprecedented access, so I'm allowed to do whatever the hell I want. I don't think that's how college football works. Like, I don't think I'm allowed to just run into the huddle like I'm going to be doing for the XFL. <laughs> Probably not. I'm not sure I'm allowed to just throw a microphone in the ref's face. <laughs> like, what the hell just happened there, pal? Like, Who are you? Field analyst. It's going to be an interesting Saturday. Hey, Joe Galloway can pick some college games. Oh, you yeah, he's really good at it. I know. He was hot this year. Him and Jesse Palmer. He's on a tear. Very, very hot. It's just like Michael Lombardi, too. I think these people that don't actually bet it but pick it, I think they are the ones that you need to listen because they have zero skin in the game. They're mm-hmm. just like, ah, oh, this is what we think. We're doing it. Whenever you start putting your actual money on the line. Now, granted, I have been on a heater here for like the last seven weeks, which feels mm-hmm. very good. I don't bet college football, though. Because I, I don't know. It's what crap the, shoot. Well, I don't know what the student human athletes are going to do. You, you don't know what Stop. they're going through. You don't know if they have a test they just failed, a relationship that just ended, uh, anything that could have possibly happened. The NFL, I feel like you can kind of predict much more. You're like, hey, who's going to show up? Who's not going to show up? But college football, is, that's why people love it, by the way, because you have no idea what's going to happen, except for some teams. Like Ohio State, you know they're going to be incredible. You know that Clemson, Trevor Lawrence is going to show up. You know that Joey Burrow, who had no idea this year was coming. There, there's no way Joe Burrow, whenever he decided to transfer, knew that all this was going to happen i'm happy for him though oh yeah hella happy for that guy in oklahoma's got a couple people suspended so let's assume they were going to lose by 20 before that now they got a couple players suspended let's assume that's a 40 point blow out there for oklahoma no offense you're just not yes. it's not their fault it's just the way it goes but everybody else in college football you have no idea what's going to happen no clue what's going to happen i bet all 40 games yesterday <laughs> officially <laughs> made all my picks Tony, did you bet boy. it or did you just make no, your no, picks? I, I put money in on them oh Tony, oh, Tony. smart man you have Christmas gifts coming Look up. for desperate digs here soon. <laughs> <laughs> Look for desperation digs here soon. Um, all right, in the last game, Los Angeles Rams at San Francisco. San Fran has to win this if they would like to have home field advantage mm-hmm. in the playoffs. They're coming off a, a big loss last week. The LA Rams, are they going to just – they got pounded by the Cowboys. They did, they yeah. They still got a chance, though. Pounded. Who, the Rams? Yeah, if, if they win against the Niners and Cardinals and the Vikings lose against the Packers and Bears – Rams got a chance. Both possible things, by the way. All these are very possible things. So if Sean McVay can get his boys to believe that after getting pounded by the Dallas Cowboys, what a big-time game. All three of these games matter. Mm -hmm. But so does the Pokeball. That's right. (laughs) I mean, are you kidding me with this? Why does this happen? Why do they got to put the NFL on Saturday and the Pokeball on Saturday? And I'm there. I mean... The Boca Bowl is going to be electric. Oh, yeah, yeah, it always oh, yeah. is. It always is. Always Boca is. talks for itself. Points it's gonna, galore. Point. Well. The crowd's going to be electric. Huge <laughs> retirement community down there. I think they're going to bust in all of the retirement communities. <laughs> Decent weather. A lot of uh, STDs in the crowd. Oh, oh Tony. 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 That's someone's grandparents. Boca. That's they, what they do. They do that. In uh, senior, from what I've been told, those been. retirement communities are just a big porn house. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> they're ASAP Rocky and all that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Poor ASAP Rocky. Uh, it's tough. ASAP Rocky had a uh, sex tape leaked here within the last 12 hours. And uh, Nick, you watched it? I did watch it. He's just getting absolutely roasted mm-hmm. online. Poor I guess, guy. I guess he didn't have a great performance. Uh, bad form. Uh, it was just very casual. And you can't do that if you're going to have a sex tape leak. You've got to be putting on a show. I'm assuming he didn't know this was coming right. out. Right. Real question: Why are you filming it? If you're, did he film it? Yeah, the way it's shot, it is him holding P-O-V. it, pointing down. Oh, jeez! Oh, no self awareness, ASAP. No self awareness. If you're filming, the lights are on. You got to be ready to go. Yeah, for sure. We interrupt this incredible conversation to let you know that New Year's Eve is coming up quick. No party is complete without popping some corks. Popping some bubbly. And you should be popping the bubbly that's the best tasting bubbly. And that's from our friends at Luc Belair. Belair is an award-winning French bubbly. Let me tell you, it's fantastic. There's no comparison to other champagne. You have to try it. Yes, I used to not really like champagne that much. It used to make my tummy hurt. I didn't love the taste. But then we fell in love with this Belair company. And it tastes delicious. It goes down smooth. It makes me feel like I'm important. And damn, that French champagne pain makes my life better. You should be celebrating with Bel Air this New Year's Eve because honestly, it's a celebration. Pop some bottles, baby. You survived another trip around the sun, especially with our friends from Bel Air. Enjoy this incredible tasting Bel Air French bubbly without spending twice what you would for other brands. Get your bottles of Bel Air delivered right to your door to make sure you can raise your glass when the ball drops. Bel Air, this is the new tradition. Pop a cork, have a little bit of the bubbly and ring in 2020 like us. Take advantage of Luke Belair's Say Goodbye to 2019 Super Sale. Get 30% off your first order by going to LukeBelair.com slash Pat. This offer is not available in stores only at L-U-C-B-E-L-A-I-R-E.com slash P-A-T. That's LukeBelair.com slash Pat. For 30% off your first order, celebrate with the best tasting champagne on earth from our friends at Belair. French bubbly that tastes damn good. How come it is so difficult to win in Cleveland? Why is it so difficult to win there? All the pieces seem to be in place this year, and they're not winning. Last year, I I mean, nobody's going to say they had a great roster, but Hugh wasn't able to win there. Nobody's been able to win there. It's been said that you haven't coached in the NFL until you've been fired from Cleveland. This man has. He's been out of the game for a year now, did some media stuff. It's been rumored that he's going back to Arizona State to help out with Marvin Lewis and Herm Edwards, who have done a great job with that team in the desert. Uh, Can't wait to chat about hard knocks and everything like that. Do we have him on? Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, former head coach of multiple places, Hugh Jackson. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Hugh, I have a question for you. How? Why is it? Me. Why is it so hard to win in Cleveland? I, I, <laughs> now I'll say this: you, you obviously did not have a great record there, but everybody right. thought with you gone, with the talent in there this year, with a whole new team, that they're going to be able to win, and it just hasn't been able to happen. Is the place cursed? You is the place cursed? I'm not going to say it's cursed, but you said it. I think that's just been the history. There's been several coaches way before me, and now there's been a coach after me that hasn't won there. So. Um, I'm not going to say it's in the walls or anything like that. I just think at some point in time, somebody will be good enough to take it to another level. I hope it happens uh, because I think the fans deserve it. But you're right. There's a lot of coaches that have gone there that haven't done well, and they've left there and went and done great jobs. Okay, so did you did you enjoy the hard knocks 
being a part of your because I think hard enough it's already hard enough to win in the NFL especially in Cleveland especially when you maybe hadn't had a winning season in the past couple years then you add in potential drama with HBO I did not think that hard knocks did a great job of making you and the entire thing look good it's almost like they were building up a storyline do you regret that hard knocks was in there in your last year as a head coach of Cleveland I don't I mean I know a lot of people have said just what you said I don't regret it because I know what we as an organization was trying to accomplish. I really thought that it was going to make us be at our best all the time. I think it's a couple ways to look at it. In my, in my mind, we were a loss-averse organization that hadn't won a lot. So we needed to be put in our best, in the best situations we could be in to be at our best all the time. So when the season came, we hit the ground running, you know, because normally guys don't want to be embarrassed when they're on TV. Guys don't yeah. want to do something that all of a sudden people are going to make fun of. And I wasn't worried about what the storyline was about me. I understand the scene that everybody thought was a big deal. But I, I would think if people know football, and I know you do, Pat, that I discussed all that stuff about how we were going to practice players, how we were going to do players way before that episode. So I thought it was really, really, it was really difficult for me to think that we were even having that conversation in that meeting. Yeah, obviously what you're referring to is you and Todd Haley talking yeah. about who's who was going to play and who wasn't going to play in practice. It's mm -hmm. just it felt like everybody had this image about the Cleveland Browns and then HBO almost was like, "All right, everybody knows what to think about the Cleveland Browns. How do we make it look like this completely dysfunctional franchise?" It almost <laughs> felt like they did that. It felt like they did that. And and for you, I didn't know anything about you, but watching it I'm like, "Man, this guy is either not deserving of a head coach job or the HBO people are editing this in a fashion to make him look bad because showing a beef between a head coach and an assistant coach is just specifically trying to make you look bad because that happens everywhere. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Now that part, I do agree with that. Yeah, because it happens everywhere. I mean, this is something right. that happens in the NFL. There's beef and that happens and them showing it in the way they did. I thought they made you look bad. Mm hmm. I appreciate that. Hey, no problem. Okay, so let's move forward. What has this year off been for you? Have you? I've oh talked, man, I, this has been the first time off in thirty-two years. It's uh, been rediscovered a lot of things. My family, first and foremost, and found some other things out in the world that I like. You know, got involved in a tequila business. Oh, and, oh! Uh, grandly into tequila. It is unbelievable, <laughs> and so I've had a great time doing that. But I'm ready to get back on the grass. Okay, so I talked to Chuck Pagano. Whenever he was out of the game for a year, he said that him and his wife were going crazy, right? He was like, I haven't been around for a long time. He said he started watching film again as if he was a coach, just kind of studying to stay on top of it. He couldn't wait to get back into coaching. I assume the same thing's happening for you. Is Arizona State the place you're going, or are you going to try to get back in the NFL? No, I'm going to try to get back in the NFL. I've spent a lot of time, you know, at some colleges, the University of Maryland, obviously went down to Arizona State, Penn State, some other places. But I spent a lot of time with Jim Hazlitt, uh, who's in town. So we get a chance to watch video. I've been all around, you know, the, the country a little bit, seeing football. So I'm excited about getting back in the game at the National Football League level. And, and let's go. What, what went wrong in Cleveland you think that people should know before they hire? Before a fan base, right? So if you get hired to a team, the fan base is going to be like, hey, what, like I said about hard knocks, not making you look mm -hmm. good, but also with the lack of success in Cleveland. What do you think went wrong? What did you learn from that situation that you'll carry into your next gig? 
Well, the first thing I would say to any fan who's concerned about what I would do when I come is that there's been a lot of coaches before me that went to Cleveland yeah. and the, somewhat the same thing happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and all of a sudden their careers didn't go into tank. So give me a chance here. Uh, what I learned is that you got to do what you think is best. You know, and what I mean by that, I should have never relinquished the offensive coordinator position of calling plays. That's how I got the job. And that's what I should have done to keep the job. And um, I think I would have put the team in a better position to move forward um, and would have did a better job of putting Baker in position to have success. So I take full responsibility for that. Um, you got to do what you know you can do and do it as well as you can do it. And I think if I would have done that, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. What do you think about Baker Mayfield? There's been a lot of noise outside of football with Baker Mayfield. He's the best actor in the NFL. His commercials are incredible. <laughs> but anytime you do all that stuff and you don't have success, automatically critics are going to come in. This year, they have not had a lot of success. Their expectations were high. Not a lot of success. That's where disappointment comes flooding in. But well, you know Baker a lot better than all of us do. What what do you think it is about Baker that maybe will either get him to bounce back after this year of failure, or do you think there's going to be much more of the same? No, I think he'll bounce back. I don't. I, when we drafted Baker number one overall, and I sit on the table for it, I think the guy's a tremendous football player. Now you can see fundamentally, maybe there are some things that he's not doing as well as he did in year one. Why that is, I don't have that answer. I'm not there to to say. But talent wise, leadership wise, moxie, um, passion for the game, determination. He has all of that, okay? And he can throw the ball with anybody. So somewhere there is a disconnect, and where that is, I think, has got to be found to get him back to being what he, what he was. But it's in there, and they got to go find a way to get it back out of it. What type of coach do you think could bring the best out of Baker Mayfield? Oh, no. He, it's got to be a coach that's going to be really detailed with him a coach that won't back down, a coach that's going to push him to go be great because deep down inside, that's what he wants to be. But you know how it is, Pat, when some certain coaches are coaching some of the best players in the league, they all of a sudden don't coach him. Yeah. Okay. And you can't do that. You can't do that with the great players. You got to make sure more so than anything, you take your foot and put it up their butt. So that's what it comes down to, to make sure that they're getting done what need to get done. I would say I didn't become my best ball kicker until I had a coach in Tom McMahon challenge me every single day. I agree with that statement completely. And I think Peyton Manning would even say that about Clyde Christensen and other people that it's, that's the new, there's a new generation though, where a lot of people say hard coaching and coaching is something that could be a thing of the past with this new generation and how it operates. Do you think that could be a struggle if you get back in the league? No. Because I don't think that part ever changed. If I can help a young man play at his best level as well as he can play, trust me, that's what they want. At the end of the day, a player wants to have a chance to earn the next contract, uh, to be seen as one of the better players in the league. They're not going to run from that. Now, if I'm just a yellow over screamer and I'm not helping them attain their goals, then it's not going to work. But if you're getting the results that you both desire, then I guarantee you players will take that in a, in a heartbeat. Where uh, Where's a place that you're like, you look at the way the offense is set up, and I'm not saying they'll offer you a job or the person's going to be fired, but what's a place that you think has a great setup for success in the future if you were to be there? Well, I, you know, the, the, the team that jumps off, and like you said, this is no knock on any Yeah, coach, we're not knocking but, anything. We're just saying. But when, I, but when I look at the New York Giants, you know, with a young quarterback and a great runner, okay, and, and in my mind needing a few pieces here and there, I mean, they have a tremendous opportunity to be special. When you think of the Washington Redskins, young quarterback, again, you know, a real good offensive line, another young runner. So those things to me are, are important because I've learned being in this league, you better have a quarterback.
If you don't have that piece, it is hard to win in this league. Mm-hmm. How many quarterbacks are for you at Cleveland? Like 45? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I've been through it. I know what that was. So. Uh, I, once you get that piece squared away and if you feel like you do as an organization, then I think you can truly move forward. As, as an offensive play caller, what Lamar Jackson has been able to do and accomplish. Now, granted, he's an anomaly. He's a unicorn. I don't. Everybody's like, is he the next prototype of a quarterback? Well, if you can find another Lamar Jackson, I would assume that you should draft that person. But will you adapt your play calling to become more that style? And do you see the game going that way from an offensive standpoint in the NFL? Absolutely. I think you have to. When you have a guy that's as talented as he is, that can do uh, all the things he can do, running the ball and throwing the ball, you have to adapt. And I think it's happened like that because there's been more college coaches that's coming to the National Football League. And so that has just kind of evolved that way. But this guy is extremely talented. There might not be another guy like him, but when I think of the young man that's at Oklahoma this year, he's not probably as cat quick as as Lamar is, but he's a a strong runner, a good passer, and a very sturdy body that, you know, I think his his stock is going to rise because of what people have seen Lamar Jackson do this season. Okay, so the three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks out of college that everybody's talking about is Joe Burrow, Tua, Jalen, and then uh, Air Bear or whatever, Herbert from Oregon. If you're a guy running a team, would you take the risk on Tua with how injured he's been, or is Joe Burrow the guy, Jalen or Herbert, the guy you think? Well, I think I got to go look at all of them first and foremost, like you mentioned, and what is the vision of the organization? What are we trying to accomplish? Are we going to be a team that's going to throw it all over the yard and we have those kind of receivers already in our stable? Or are we going to be a team that needs to run the football to win and we got great defense? So it really still comes down to the vision of the organization. Me, myself, I love to have a guy that can do both because the defenses are so good in the National Football League, and I think that's what you're seeing Baltimore do. They're able to do both things, and their quarterback is so special doing both things, it makes it hard to defend. Okay. Uh, You were supposed to run the workout for Colin Kaepernick. It was this massive ordeal. It's the first time in NFL history that an entire workout has been placed for a guy in Atlanta. The facility was opened up, and I believe it's because a couple teams were interested in signing him but didn't want the backlash if they were going to sign him. So the NFL, Jay-Z, everybody was like, let's just have a workout, and if people want to talk to him privately and see what he's got, see if he's still got it, they can sign him from there. He obviously decided not to do that. That workout, in my eyes, I've seen I've yeah, get him the hell out of there. My dog, my dog is growling. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm mean, normally good with dogs. And my voice, I can understand. It could uh, make him a little bit frustrated. That workout, though, I've seen players have to do workouts to make it on teams. A lot of cardio, a lot of conditioning to see if they can still hang. And if they were Absolutely. to be dropped in a game right now, would they be able to survive? The workout I saw him do by himself there, 60 miles away, not a lot of cardio, not a lot of conditioning. You were supposed to run that extra that workout. What was it going to look like? And were you excited for that opportunity? Not only for yourself but for Colin I was very excited for the opportunity for myself uh, to be picked you know by the National Football League to lead the workout first and foremost I was very excited to be around Colin again because I I really have a lot of respect for him I wanted to draft him when he was coming out when I was at Oakland because I thought he was very talented and I wanted to take him and showcase his talent and ability and all those things you just mentioned be able to show that from a cardiovascular standpoint that you're ready to go, that you could walk into an organization tomorrow and maybe not know what they're doing, but be able to be out there and not get hurt, okay? And then to find the, the, the intellect piece during this workout, to be able to show that, you know, from a rush standpoint, how to move in the pocket, how to handle pressure as it was coming at him. So we had a pretty good workout set up for him that we were going to showcase all those things, but it just didn't happen. 
how bummed are we? I, as a fan of the NFL, and honestly, what Colin Kaepernick good, uh, did, I think, did good for our society. It started a conversation that was needed. Now, obviously, there was a lot. I mean, ratings dropped because there was a whole thing that happened behind the scenes with the NFL and Colin Kaepernick. But all I wanted was for one day for him to play by the NFL's rules just to see what happened. And then whenever it turned out it didn't happen, I was bummed about it. I assume the same for you. Absolutely. I just, um, you know, you go there in the morning thinking that this is going to going to happen and it's going to be great. And, and everybody that I was associated with that was dealing with this, our whole focus was to make him and put him in a situation where he could be successful. You know, we want to do everything we can for him to be successful, show the things that we needed to show the National Football League teams, but do everything we could to make him successful. And then, you know, you you really work through that process in your head and you see it happening. And then when it doesn't happen, it is disappointing. So that that was a disappointing day for all involved. And, and again, I don't know the reasons why it didn't happen the way it should have. But at the same time, I hope this young man does get an opportunity if he really wants to play football. I think the trust issues between Colin Kaepernick and the NFL are something that's obviously grown through the last three years. And he says that's why he didn't want to do it. And in his tweet, he said, I can't wait to see the coaches and GMs there. It's the middle of the season. It's going to be hard to get the coaches and GMs there. Did it feel like to you, though, this was a fair, legit workout where teams were actually going to be looking at it and potentially signing him? Oh, no doubt. I, I, I think when I was finally called up inside of uh, the facility at Flowery Branch at Atlanta, there was 28 teams there with their scouts, you know. And so to me, that said a lot because to I'm take wrong. those guys <laughs> off the road, to me, that says something to you because normally those guys are advanced scouting. Those guys are preparing for something else. And so when you do that, to me, you're making a commitment. I think the league was making a commitment to giving him a shot. Now, you know, where it fell apart at, as I just mentioned, I don't know. But I really felt like the league was trying to do the right thing. Ah, bumps me out. Coach, Freddie Kitchens was obviously on your staff, so you know him pretty well. How much of the blame for the Cleveland Browns do you put on, on him this year? And do you think he has what it takes to be a, a coach in the NFL in the future? Well, let me say this. I, I, it's hard for me. Being a head coach in the National Football League is hard, you know, and I think you wear a lot of different hats. I only knew Freddie as my running back coach. I don't know Freddie, you know, as a play caller. I don't know Freddie as standing in front of a room, leading a room day in and day out. Um, but, you know, again, at the same time, uh, the success that you have to have as that leader uh, needs to be demonstrated. And to me, there's been a lot of things that have happened that I think people will question that. If he has the right makeup to do it in the future, I don't know that. You know, I, I don't I really don't. But again, I wish every coach who's a head coach in the National Football League the best. Yeah, it's not an easy. You got to deal with a lot of things. Uh, you become <laughs> a CEO. You become the CEO of a company all of a sudden. And, yes, you do. And it's no longer just on football for you. Uh, when thinking about that, do you see a chance in the future? And I don't know how dialed you uh, dialed in you are to social media and stuff like that. Antonio Brown. Do you think with how good he is, and this is another bummer for me, this is just like Colin Kaepernick, how I'm bummed out about it that he didn't do that because I wanted to see him go in the NFL and show that he could still got it. And Antonio Brown this last year, he goes from being the best wide receiver in the NFL now to something that he's the most polarizing figure on the internet. People who either completely hate him or like, hey, you're our guy. And it seems like every single tweet he sends out is potentially ruining another opportunity that he could potentially have. They say teams are still interested. Do you see a team take a shot on Antonio Brown with all that has transpired? At some point, yes. Now, do I think they're going to they're gonna dig and do their due diligence to make sure? Yes. The guy is too talented, you know, and if he's right, 
And if he's in your organization and playing football the way we know he can, then he's going to go do some great things. But would we have to make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted before you ever bring him in the building? Absolutely. I mean, you owe that to the other men that are in the locker room. You owe that to the organization. So there's a fine line there. There's no question. But this guy is arguably, like you just said, one of the best receivers that have played the game. It's tough. I hate watching it. Hugh, I want to let you know, Hard Knocks painted you in a bad image. I, I didn't know you from anything, and I was like, I don't know how this guy does it. Having this conversation with you, I'm very thankful you came on this show. I'm excited to see what you do in the future, and I hope that Tequila Company does very well for you. I hope you become <laughs> George you Clooney. Much. I hope you become George Clooney, a billionaire in that whole thing. Absolutely. That's the plan, but no, I appreciate it, and I Again, I mean, that's that goes to show you what people think, the way people paint people. People really don't know people until you get to know them. So uh, that wasn't me. I know that's not me. And I know my my other coaches and the players, they know that's not me. So at the same time, I can't wait to go back and have a chance to prove myself a different way. Hey, a nice revenge tour is a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at now? Do you have a house in uh, California out there? I'm in Cincinnati. I'm in California at times. I'm in Arizona at times. I'm in Florida. Hey, this tequila company keeps you moving. Hey, well, cheers to you. Salud. Good luck with everything, and thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, Hugh Jackson. Thank, Thank you, man. You. Thank you. I liked him a lot more than they portrayed on HBO. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm being 100% serious. Whenever I saw him on HBO, and now I should have been more woke to the fact that editing can make you look in however you're in. ASAP Rocky is yeah. experiencing this today. <laughs> but I, I should know that going in it. But man, he looked bad on Hard Knocks. I mean, he looked like a guy that didn't have control of his team. He looked like a guy that the staff didn't look good. And uh, those types of things, you have to remember, do happen. But the way that thing was painted with him not having a lot of success was bad. That conversation was good there. Yeah, it was incredible. And like you said, like the, everyone that watched Hard Knocks going in, they knew like, hey, the Browns are, are terrible. They always have been. So why wouldn't they be like, hey, let's build on that dysfunction. Otherwise, we might have just kind of a, a stale, boring season. And I am a fan of Hard Knocks. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm a fan, but they definitely they definitely thrived off of the hey, this team stinks. They have stunk for a long time. It's very easy to paint that picture when everybody on earth knows something. You know I mean? I'd be interested to see if he's willing to go back as an offensive coordinator because that's where he dominated with the Bengals and also with the Raiders. Or if he's strictly looking to get a head coaching game no, I think he, to prove I think, himself. I think he very much understands he's going to have to be an offensive mm -hmm. coordinator. I should have asked that question, I guess, but I thought it was pretty obvious that's mm -hmm. what he's looking to do. And to be a head coach, you got to deal with so much, especially I mean, what, in New York. He said New York and Washington, yeah. those are pretty large markets with a big fan base that um, could go south quick. Him becoming an offense coordinator again, thriving, doing well. I mean, that was a good conversation. I'm happy he came on the show. Yeah, it was awesome. Yelled at his dog a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good for him, man. Sorry for the interruption, but it's time for you to make some money off the shit you have just lying around. It's the holiday soon, and I think I can guess what you're doing. You're out buying stuff, right? Kids, friends, grandparents, your other half. Everyone's getting something. So here's a festive tip. Don't just buy, buy, buy. Sell, sell, sell with Mercari. The holidays are coming, and that means a lot of new stuff will soon be piling up underneath the tree. So why not make some space for it by selling the stuff you don't use anymore on Mercari? You know Mercari, the selling app that makes selling your stuff fast and easy. So here's what you do. You go through your home and find all the good stuff that you just don't use anymore. The phone in the drawer, those jeans you only wore once, the handbag hiding in the back of your closet. Then you take a few pics, add a description, and boom, your item is connected to millions and millions of buyers. 
It's super easy. Mercari even emails you a shipping label when it sells. The app has over 500,000 reviews on the App Store with an average of 4.8 star rating. So why not give it a try? People like it, people respect it, and you have shit that you should be selling and making money off of. Everything ships too. So there are no awkward meetups with strangers, which is great right now. And, and you know, I mean, it's a holiday. Let's not meet any weird uh, folks. Not that there's weird people on there, but there's no reason for you to even set yourself up because everything is shipped. You can even use Mercari to buy gifts too because with millions and millions of sellers, you never know what treasures you will find. Finally, an app that makes you money. Check out Mercari and lighten this lighten the load this holiday that's m-e-r-c-a-r-i mercari the selling app so clear out your closets and fill up your piggy bank on mercari that's m-e-r-c-a-r-i mercari the selling app it's a smart thing to do get a little bit more cash in your pocket maybe make some room for some other great things that are coming in wow other people are enjoying shit that you don't use anymore sell 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 on the mercari app mike norvell i think he could have got any job he wanted probably Honestly, I got a chance to call a Memphis game. I got a chance to meet him. And then we were down there for college game day. I got a chance to chat with him again. He's a guy that knows what the hell he's doing. He's joining us right now, ladies and gentlemen. Memphis Tiger coach led them for a 12-1 and season this year. He was there for four years. Great success. Just recently took the gig at Florida State. A once prominent, prominent program that I believe he will bring back to life because he's a damn good coach. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Mike Norvell. Morning, Pat. How's everything going? Coach, everything's great. How are you? Down in Florida State, getting after it down there in Tallahassee? Uh, no question. You know, I've been, I guess it's my 11th day on the job, and uh, we've been in full sprint mode uh, since the minute I hit the ground. So it's been uh, it's been great. You had a, had a really good signing day yesterday, and uh, you know, just honored to be here. Okay, so whenever you get a gig uh, like Florida State, now with this early signing day, is your role to find all the commits that were already committed and keep them there, or are you trying to trying to find new players and sell them on what Florida State is going to become under Mike Norvell? You know, a little bit of both, and you know, the first part of it is the evaluation of of you know what's in place, and uh, we've got a great group of young men that are currently on our roster. Um, you know, there were a, a, another group that was committed, and you know, try to evaluate you know how you see uh, them them transpiring through this change and, and what we're looking for, and, and then you know, there's also the part of uh, you know what you're what you're looking to attract, and so we had a little bit of both uh, in or really in all phases of that uh, here this last uh, ten days, and uh, it came together there on signing day we were able to hold on to to guys that were committed you know we were able to get a couple guys that had decommitted uh you know back on board and, and then we were able to attract some new faces that uh you know i think are going to be great additions so it was uh it was definitely uh, a lot of time that went into it but uh you know it was the, the pace was uh was pretty uh pretty crazy getting a chance to meet you and see your operation at Memphis, not only at game day, but whenever we called your Memphis Tigers game, and then all the success that you brought to Memphis and everything like that, your name would have been up for every single job in college football, every single one. Everybody would have been like, ah, maybe we should go get Coach Norvell. Why Florida State? Because everybody talks about how Florida State was once this incredible program, and it was. It used to be must-see television back in the day. It's kind of fallen from grace a little bit. What did you see in the Florida State gig that said, you know what, this is where I want to be. Let's go ahead and turn this thing back to being a great program. 
No, I mean, I think you know all factors were were a part of it. You know, I, I, any decision I've ever made in my life really come down to two things. It's you know, one, how I believe I fit the place, and then uh, you know, two, does it is it going to be a great decision for my family, and and uh, can it be a place that uh, that we can create a family atmosphere for for what we're what we're going to do and how we're going to move forward. And so, and then Florida State checked all the boxes. You know, uh, since I was thirteen, I remember when I was thirteen years old, the first piece of college memorabilia I ever owned uh, was a Florida State national championship license plate that was the only thing that hung on my wall and uh you know to be to think that i now have an opportunity to lead this program it is uh it's something that's still surreal to me but um you know even beyond that you know the tradition uh the the brand i think this is one of the most iconic brands in all of college football i truly believe that uh for for college football to be right florida state needs to be a national contender and it needs to be uh you know relevant in in that discussion and you know there's a lot of hard work to get there and it's gonna it's gonna you know you know be a process and every day Day. We're gonna have to to to, uh, to operate in a, in a uh, uh, with a mindset and approach of of uh, you know maximizing the potential that we have. But uh, you know when you look at our fan base, uh, the place where uh, that I get to live each and every day, the wonderful university to recruit student athletes too. I mean, it really checked all the boxes. And and beyond that, uh, when you get a chance to meet the people, I mean, from the leadership, from President Thrasher to our athletic director and David Coburn, board of trustees. I mean, everybody uh, believes in what this program can can. Uh, um, you know, once again, become and uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited that they chose me to to be able to lead that uh, that mission. I didn't know a damn thing about the American Conference before this year's Thursday Night Football, and then after getting a chance to watch and to learn about it, it's a very good league. The American Conference is a very good league with a lot of talent, not only for the players but also coaches. Now you're moving into the ACC, which has been Clemson's domain. That's just the way it goes. How do you? How does a Florida State team or any team in the ACC try to compete with what Clemson has been able to do? Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech just got a great signing class. He's a recruiter. I mean, you look around the ACC. Mac Brown is doing good things at North Carolina. The ACC is about to become not only just a Clemson-dominant football conference, but altogether it really feels like it's an upswing in the ACC. How are you going to compete with them? Is it all recruiting, or do you feel very good about your scheme and the way you coach your players up? You know, I think when you're a part of a great league, you know, all those things matter, uh, you know, you can be a great recruiter, but if you're not a developer of men and and uh, you know putting them in a position to to schematically achieve, then you know it's it's hard to 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 be at an elite level. And uh, that is our focus. We want to we want to work to be elite in everything that we do. Uh, I can tell you that uh, you know the student the type of student athlete that we can recruit here, the resources that are in place, um, you know the the coaching staff that, that I'm uh, you know in process of assembling will be as good as any uh, in the country and. You know, with that comes great expectation and great challenge. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, you look at the success that Clemson's had over the last few years. I mean, it's something that should be respected, and it's something that uh, uh, you know it, it provides opportunity for growth. And uh, you know, I can tell you, I'm I'm I'm, I'm standing within a program that we have a we have a, a group of student athletes and coaches that are that are excited about what the future holds, and uh, we know that we're going to maximize every day. So uh, I think to answer your question, it takes all, and uh, you know, I'm very confident in what we do and how we do it. You know, we're going to work every day to, to put ourselves in the best position. Uh, what is your motto for your team? Like whenever somebody watches this Florida State team, maybe not this year as you continue to build the culture and bring your people in. But what do you want people to see from the Florida State Seminoles led by Coach Norvell? 
You know, I think it's all about our climb, and every day, uh, you know, we're aspiring to be the best version of ourselves. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, we, we are starting at a, at, a, at point zero, and uh, you know, wherever that is, whatever that looks like, you know, all we can all we can control is is what we do with today. And if we can focus on on one percent growth each and every day, stacking those on top of each other, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not looking at a four or five year plan. I'm looking at today. And if we can if we can be the uh, you know the, the the best version of us, you know, players, coaches everybody involved um, and I believe uh, that, that we will be headed in the right direction and so we're going to focus on that climb and, and truly just a step that's right in front of us that's awesome uh Diggs, go coach what's going to be your involvement in the uh in the bowl game for Florida State um, you know, I'm here. I'm right now. My job is is you uh, 100% personnel, and uh, you know that's something that uh, I've been out. I've been out to practice. I'm actually heading out to another one here in just a minute. But uh, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm in the process of evaluating personnel, getting to know the, our players. I'm meeting with every player on our team this week. Um, you know, just to get to know them, and uh, you know, you know, obviously, you know, attracting and recruiting personnel and in, in, uh, with uh, with players, and then also with coaches. And uh, I'm excited about where we are. Um, you know, we've got a couple. A couple more positions to fill, and uh, you know, just organizing things uh, for the best for the best opportunity for us to to be moving forward here in January. But uh, you know, I'm going to be there to support, uh, but I will not be involved in the game. You know, coach Odell Hagens has done an incredible job as the interim uh, head coach, and he's going to he's going to um, you know obviously finish it up here with this with this team and this in this game. And uh, you know, this game's not about me; it's about this senior class and them finishing out uh, you know in, in a special way. Uh, you know, they're uh, for for this for this uh, this opportunity they have in front of them is it awkward is that awkward or hard <laughs> to do you see something that you might you know i mean you're a hell of a football coach i mean you've led nothing but success everywhere you've gone thus far is it awkward or hard whenever you see something not to be like yeah, but you kind of got to uh, wait for it yeah i mean it, it is but i mean also uh, you know it's, uh, i respect i respect the process i respect the, the the work that these young men have put into it the coaches that have been a part of this season um, you know, I don't, uh, it's, it's not my place and it's not my, you know, I, I'm going to help in any way that I can. I am available. Uh, you know, I went out and was watching practice and I, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't, didn't give any, uh, encouraging tidbits to, to, <laughs> to, to, to but, uh, but, uh, you know, the, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher and whether, uh, you know, whether I'm, I'm involved in the scheme or not, I mean, I'm, I know what good football looks like. And then I know that uh, if we can help focus on the little fine, uh, tiny fundamentals, uh, whether it's a, a senior that I'm never going to get the opportunity to coach or it's a or it's a freshman it's all about the growth of the student athlete and that's what i'm about and uh, that's what i'm going to continue to be about uh you know as, as we uh, jump in and, and start our pro- our process uh to lead this program where we wanted to go when you meet with the players and you're trying to learn about them and i assume they're trying to learn about you what are you asking them what are the questions are you like hey if you were a kitchen appliance which kitchen appliance <laughs> would you be or is it like hey what are you here for what do you feel like what like how do you get to know them is it like a job interview yeah, you know, I, always, I usually always ask them about themselves, and uh, you know, it's it's funny. It's like they think it's a trick question, but uh, I just want to know about them because everybody has a story, everybody has a has a background, everybody chose Florida State for a reason, um, and then I also tell them the reason that I chose it. And uh, you know, these 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 young men, they they did not pick me. Uh, I'm not I'm not naive in that, but uh, but I did pick them. 
and uh, I'm I'm here for for a specific purpose. And you know, we talk about having a family atmosphere. We talk about the importance of relationship. Uh, well, if I if I couldn't take the time during even a crazy week of signing day and hiring coaches, if I can't take 15 minutes with every player on this team to get to know why they do what they do and where they come from, then I'd be a fraud. And uh, that's uh, I've got to show them with my actions that, that, that how the importance that they have. Um, it was one of the toughest decisions that I've ever had to make in my life. Not not coaching in the uh, in the Cotton Bowl with that Memphis team because it was a you know that is that is my family as well. Even though I've changed addresses, those kids will always be able to count on me. Uh, but uh, you know to 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 not be a part of that was was a difficult decision. But I also knew that uh, with with what I need to do here and the young men that I get to coach uh, here at Florida State, you know it it's going to take time. They we're going to build those relationships and and I'm all in with what with what we're doing here and uh, it's been a it's been a great start and I'm looking forward to each and every day here moving forward coach going off that how difficult was it to break the news to your team that you were going somewhere else after you've built all these relationships with these guys over the last couple years what was your message to them when you were uh, heading out the door to Florida State Uh, I mean it was emotional it was uh, like I said um, you know, to finish with a, with winning the conference championship and uh, to, to achieving the, the the Cotton Bowl invitation. I mean, it was such a glorious night there Saturday night. Uh, someone that I'll remember forever. But um, you, know, uh, you know, Sunday morning it was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have. And um, you know, uh, I told those kids, uh, you know, I, I did everything I could. I gave them everything I had each and every day. And uh, you know, I wasn't quitting on them. I was just changing addresses, and that they could always count on me. Um, and they they know that. They know, and you know, people can tell you tell you a story. They can, they can, uh, you know, obviously you know, try to paint a picture. But you know, we had four years together, and I tried to do exactly what I told them I was going to do. Um, and uh, this is just an opportunity that I felt was the best for for myself and my family, and uh, that they could always count on me. And probably one of the most gratifying uh, things that I've ever had in my life was when I was done with that and started to walk to the door. Uh, every one of those kids stood up and gave me a, a, an ovation for oh. what we had done together together and they came and I, every one of them hugged my neck before I left and to say that uh, to say that there weren't a, t- a ton of tears that were shed I mean that would, that would uh, it was um it was just incredible, and uh, you know I'm, I'm forever grateful for not only those kids allowing me to impact their lives but for what the the impact that they had on mine. Oh my, what a moment that had to be. Because I bet you they're proud of you too. I mean, Florida State is a massive gig. What is the first thing? Because whenever we got a chance to meet with you and. You, the Memphis, uh, what's Liberty Bowl? The Liberty Bowl is the stadium, right? Liberty Bowl, yeah. Yes, sir. Liberty Bowl Stadium is owned by the city. So any upgrades or improvements that you had to make to that, you had to actually go politic and like shake hands with like city council and mayor, like, hey, we'd like to maybe get a new locker room in here or do something like that. You had to do that. Now with Florida State, I'd assume that they have a pretty good booster and situation happening down there at Florida State. What is something you think that you guys need to improve on if you really want to become back to being a national problem? Uh, program. Well, I mean, we've got to, uh, I'll tell you, in, in both situations, you know, coming from Memphis, we had a great, great, great support uh, yep. you know, within the city and the whole community. And, you know, a lot of people that committed, you know, even be above what they had ever done to see our program, con- uh, you know, continue to elevate. And, you know, coming here to Florida State, I mean, to, to say a good booster group, this is a great place. <laughs> this is a great group of, of, of supporters, as good as anywhere in the country. And, and knowing who we represent and what we're trying to do, I mean, I, I cannot be uh, more honored to, to be able to, uh, to 
be a part of this. And and there's there is commitment. There's commitment and and uh, and uh, a pursuit of greatness. And it's going to take all hands on deck. And you know, obviously, we're excited about uh, the things that we know we need to uh, to grow and improve on. And um, you know, and that's something that, that we're going to continue to discuss every day moving forward. But uh, you know, we're, we're we're focused on the on the moment and the opportunity that's here today. And uh, we're excited about what the future holds. Well, coach, I can't thank you enough. Good luck at Florida State. You and your staff were nothing but hospitable to us whenever we came to Memphis, and I can't wait to see you do very good things for the Seminoles. Ladies and gentlemen, head coach of the Florida State football team, head coach Mike Norvell. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you, Pat. You guys have a, a great holiday, and hopefully look forward to seeing you here in Tallahassee uh, in the near future, and go Knowles. Hey, you got it, bro. Good luck. Go Knowles. Nice. All right. Hey, he's a good dude. What a, he was a good dude whenever we sat down and chat with him. Now, granted, every coach sat down and talked to us longer than I guess than they'd ever talked to any other media group. <laughs> like whenever these coaches started talking to me and Hasselbeck, I think they enjoyed the conversation. But he said he opened the entire facility up to us. I mean, he was a very good guy. And everybody knew that he was gonna head to some big job. He he could have got any job he wanted, uh -huh. by the way. He he would have been able to get any job he wants. Saw something at Florida State, excited to see what he does with that program. One of my favorite stats ever from nineteen eighty seven to two thousand, Florida State finished in the top five every single year. They were incredible to watch. They were fun to watch. And then they fell off. Mm -hmm. Now can he bring them back? We'll see. That Clemson team. Number one recruiting class. Some of Clemson's recruit. Yeah, some of Clemson's like things that they tout is, you know, a lot of those guys that used to go to Florida State are now coming to Clemson. That's mm -hmm. what they, that's like an actual statement by Clemson, like alum and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting. He's going to have to get to work, but they got the right guy in there. I'll be excited to see what he does. We have some breaking news, though. Yes, we do. All right, Giant Knoxville is returning with Jackass for March of next year. Wow. Let's go. Let's go. Jackass crew is getting back together. Big awesome. Big awesome. <laughs> there has to be a smoother way to do all that. <laughs> for the younger generation right now that didn't get a chance to grow up during the Jackass oh. generation... I feel like you got to miss you missed out on a lot. Honestly, whenever these buffoons took to the television and were just willing to do absolutely anything for a couple of views, it really flipped the world on its head. I mean, I remember times hopping into a grocery cart mm -hmm. in the middle of a parking lot and telling people to send me into a bush specifically because I saw Johnny Knoxville and the boys do it on TV. It got so bad. The entire world was trying to be jackasses that they had to. Insulate, uh, uh, put an entire please do not send us videos of you acting like jackasses we got enough of it we're already on it and to be honest I think jackass shaped my life I don't think there's any chance that I jump off of that pontoon without watching jackass knowing what the body can go through <laughs> that's what jackass taught me is that the body can go through absolutely anything and I appreciate what those dudes were willing to do for my pure entertainment growing up and I'm excited to see jackass 4 they're old though oh, yeah. there's gonna be some yeah. bad brittle bones I mean that could get bad. <laughs> I saw Steve-O jump off a roof into like a jacuzzi, like belly flop the other day. I think he still's got it. Steve O still got it. Always will have it. Remember, he was a clown in the circus, and he mm -hmm. he was a guy that was willing to do absolutely. I mean, it took quite a toll not only on his body but mentally, physically, emotionally. He's come out on the other side of it. Happy for him. But those dudes, when what they were doing on TV on MTV Weekly, I I, I can't thank them enough. Mm. Honestly, I can't thank them enough. It was specifically for our enjoyment specifically for our entertainment and they they made a lot of money doing it but boy there were some awkward moments there you, you think bam jumps in there at all uh, I, 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 I think they're probably gonna stay away from bam. Bam. So, come on seat 
Oh, I had like well, a mental breakdown too. Hey, oh, that age true. thing is a real thing though. You brought up a good point. I used to emulate it too when I was younger. Jumped out of a minivan going like thirty-five miles an hour into a bush. If I did that now, I'd be in the hospital. You for break two weeks. both clavicles. I mean, you jumped <laughs> off of the top of an half. RV, landed on your feet, and rolled, and you couldn't stand for two days. <laughs> that was three years ago. That was when. Well, you... that was because I slept on the inflatable oh, air mattress, yeah, and, yeah, the, yeah. and it deflated, and I hurt That's what my I'm back. Saying. <laughs> Johnny Knoxville was very handsome, very talented. Very rich. And he would just go stand right in front of a bull and just tell the bull, go ahead and kill me. Insane. <laughs> it was insanity. I respected it, though. Oh, for it. some laughs. Just a couple. <laughs> 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 all right, what are we doing next? That's all it was. It was just a quick, ha, 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 what are we doing next? I, I was Pontius, I believe. Pontius. Oh, yeah. yeah. Party oh. boy. Oh, oh, my God. Classic. And who was? Uh, Ryan Dunn, unfortunately. It was oh, really good, too. Rest, rest in peace. peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, good guy. Dave England. Dave England. Who's the big fella? Places. Yeah. Preston. Uh, oh, Preston and, Preston little, and Wee Man. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, is that bring, his name? Yeah. 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 Bring those back together. Oh, man. I'm excited for it. Somebody's going to get it. Have they casted you yet? Someone might die. Somebody's really. potentially dead in this whole thing, yeah. but uh, I'm excited to watch it. And that's uh, for on correction, the- though, it's uh, March 6, 2021. So next. Uh, next year. Can't take news and be wrong. Yeah, but it was next year. I was thinking I was doing the Roaring Twenties already. That's, a, that's on me. <laughs> So that means they're filming it right now. Probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait for just little. We're going to have more breaking news here <laughs> as we go. It's like uh, Johnny Knoxville has broken both of his legs. They were insane. Yeah. Do you ever see the clip of them abducting Brad Pitt? Oh, what? All time. Oh, yeah. Happy uh, birthday, by the way. Brad Pitt's yeah. birthday? Yeah. Oh. Yes, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you like it? Unbelievable. Uh I mean, I guess there was a story in there somewhere. Uh, it is slow. It's a little slow. <laughs> it was like a reality show. It felt like I was watching a reality show, which I respect. I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. But I'm not putting it up there with like uh, like Django Unchained no or whatever way. it comes to. No, yeah. It's definitely not one of his best top, like top five. But it's, yeah, it's it, you're basically just there watching the performances and kind of enjoying the ride. Because there isn't. Like the, the story is very like come and go. Yeah. Uh, and Charles Manson makes an appearance. Right oh, there. yeah. I'm a big fan of that. You think you get through an entire uh, what's his name? The guy who made a movie, Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. You get through an entire Tarantino movie, and there hasn't been a lot of gruesome uh-huh. stuff. And then that last, <laughs> scene, that last scene, he just dumps it all in the last ten minutes. How disgusting can we get here? It was, uh, I mean, when he was just slamming her, <laughs> the dog food. Oh my god. Good movie. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't sure. say masterful by any means, but yeah. I think it was a very. I enjoyed watching mm-hmm. it. Um, the Irishman. I, I mean, I've been on quite a little movie kick here. Watching Santa Claus last night. Nice. I think I uh, I slept through the Grinch a little bit. Home Alone two was on last night. Nice. Ooh. I mean, Christmas holiday. Jingle all the way. Grinch was on last night. Baby Grinch is, would, scares me. Not never, scares me. It's, would never watch Jingle no, all the way. Come on. <laughs> I was an adult. It's so good. Such a great cast. People forget about it. It is a good movie. Thank Not you. a top five Christmas movie, mm, but it is no. a good movie. Top eight and a half. The baby, the baby Grinch is disgusting. Disgusting. It's like Baby Yoda, just uglier, <laughs> way <laughs> hairier, <laughs> and the whole thing. I've not watched that Baby Yoda movie. Oh, you, you wouldn't oh, get you it. Got it. It's a show. Don't, don't yeah. do it. Don't. You wouldn't get it. Was it The Mandalorian? I tried watching it. I didn't get anything. He weighed never seen somebody Star Wars. yesterday. No, I have never seen Star Wars. So yeah, but we were watch. told. People told me that I could watch it without you, saying Star you Wars. You can. You can definitely See, watch these, it without saying Star Wars. These kind of people. This idiot. Yeah, fair oh. enough. Well, I can't thank you enough for listening to this beautiful show today. I can't thank our guests from all week. I can't thank the boys. And I can't thank you for this fantastic year in this run that we've been on. It's been a fucking fantastic time. We're almost to another end of another trip around the sun and... This has been the most incredible one I've ever had. 
I got engaged. I got a chance to experience a lot of things. And I hope this podcast brings just a little bit of joy and a little bit of happiness to your life. And uh, know that you bring a lot of joy and happiness to my life just by listening. So with that being said, I'm going to tell you a place where you can buy some incredible diamond jewelry. And I think you should check it out for the holidays if that's what you're looking for. And Ty Schmidt's going to play some independent music. And then you're going to go into the greatest weekend of your entire life. And this weekend might be the weekend that you visit our friends at Steven Singer Jewelers. Everybody's saying it in the jewelry business. I hate Steven Singer. I hate Steven Singer. There's this guy in Philly you've been hearing us talk about. If you've been to Philly, you may have seen the billboards or heard them on the radio. I hate Steven Singer. This time of year, other jewelers love to hate Steven. Why? Because Steven has the most beautiful, best value diamond studs anywhere and I mean anywhere diamond stud earrings are the number one must-have gift this holiday you can choose a great pair of Anita diamond stud earrings for under $270 and they're the best quality too bright white with tons of sparkle don't settle for the cheap shit that look like frozen spit buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust Steven Singh Jewelers Steven also gives everyone a full value lifetime trading guarantee that means you can trade up your diamond studs for the full value anytime 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 Stephen makes holiday shopping easy, but don't wait any longer. This is your last chance to order with free shipping in time for Christmas. Order by 5 p.m. today, Eastern Standard Time, December 20th, and get free shipping and it will arrive in time for Christmas. Go right now to IHateStevenSinger.com or visit the real Stephen Singer at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. Real diamonds, real experts, real jewelers. No one does real diamond studs better. Stephen Singh Jewelers, that's IHateStevenSinger.com. I-H-A-T-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. I hate stevensinger.com. I hate Steven Singer, but I love you. I also love independent music. Ty Schmidt, play that shit. <laughs>